0: Kayla Padilla. Great. Yeah, she was actually a really, really solid guest on there. I really like how humble she was and I respect that. I think I'm gonna have to start getting some more cocky people on here because the last two people we've done have been like humble and like solid people, and it's kind of weird bringing somebody on to talk about themselves. and they're like, like she had a fucking internship at Google. She's but she didn't really want to say Division that Division One Ivy League. You know what I mean? It's same thing with like um Mr. Sorio. It's like you did 30 years of service, you know, first responder, stuff like that. And it's like you're fucking badass, but you're just like, no, no, I'm just like a regular guy. You're like, no, you're not a regular guy. You know what I mean? So it's pretty fun having people like that, that are different from me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Cause like I'm kind of
1: well, it's good to have both, I feel like. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But I'm energetic. You know what I mean? Like I'm just a little bit more upbeat and like rolling and really like, oh yeah, there. we're doing this and like this is how I put my shoes on this morning and this is how I did that. It was really nice to hear her process on how she attacks like teamwork, leadership, stuff like that. But That's good. she's really a really impressive, like young woman. Good. I really liked her. Like I said, we talked about she had an internship at Google that she just got back from. She goes to the University of Pennsylvania. She plays basketball at the division one level there and at a school that is an Ivy League school. So it's like I don't I don't I don't got anything else to tell her. You know what I mean? Like there's no like you should be doing this because she's doing it. She's majoring in like business and finance too and she's just like really well rounded. And really the thing that scares me with student athletes that are like in our age category is how much they solely identify as their one thing. Right. And then when that one thing, no matter how high they get in their level or how, you know, good they are, eventually it's going to come to an end mm-hmm. and you're going to have to transfer those skills into something else. She's literally already stretching herself with five, six, several different arms. That's good. And I really liked that. Yeah. She, um, started like a newsletter too. It's called the sideline post. I believe I still got to check that out because I've just been busy since we recorded and we just recorded it like yesterday, but it's like a really happy place for people to go you know what I mean like it's a nice safe environment that is opening up more opportunities and kind of like breaking down barriers to give athletes a greater voice than they used to have previously good for her so yeah she definitely obviously her and Brandon are a couple and they're you know in love and doing their thing but they're just like super busy we're busy and she said that Once things slow down, we're definitely going to like hang out more and stuff. So I really liked her. Yeah, she's definitely somebody that I'm happy to call a friend now. That's good. And without further ado, guys, go ahead and check out the podcast on Kayla Padilla. Uh. How's it going?
1: Pretty good. How are you, Venture?
0: I am great, Kayla Thank you for coming to our humble abode here. Of
1: course. Thank you for having me. Really excited to get started on this. Yeah.
0: I want to say you're probably like the second guest that we've had here. Okay, cool. So very early on, I usually don't like people coming in. I don't know. I don't want to say I don't like it. It's just like this is kind of not really the space. Me and Hannah have had so many problems with this apartment. It's just such a little like she has done a really good job making it sure livable, no, it looks great you should see the other people around here it's a fucking shit show it's really bad i don't know yeah. if you saw the pool we'll check out the pool okay. it's empty there's no okay. water <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those things where like this place i think we've talked about it in other episodes too there it's not up to code none of it is up to code i could probably push through this wall Uh-oh. right now and we could talk to the neighbors we can invite them in right on the now, podcast honestly. yeah bring them on see how they're feeling those stairs they're all fucked up it's just like a couple months ago you could tell that the entire building had to be like inspected for probably insurance purposes for whoever owns the thing. Uh I've never seen them work so hard. (laughs) And that's what worried me is like, fuck you're telling me you had all this work to do and you know they had like six months to do it but just you could tell people were like hitching things they were painting things they were like doing legit like concrete work all around the place and then even when the inspector was coming by i um was like coming home from school or something like that but the inspector guy with his little notepad walking around and stuff like you know like pencil neck old guy was coming around and was like okay so where's like the electrical room or the boiler room or something that you could tell the, like, Mexican guys who work here were like, we're gonna chance it and hope that he doesn't ask us for this, mm-hmm. but I heard them go, okay, where's the, whatever, electrical room, and they go, oh, it's it's that way, and then he looks at his coworker and he's like, like, fuck.
1: Man. We're, yeah,
0: we're, and then I saw that and I came upstairs to Hannah and I was like, yeah, we're fucking moving like well yeah
1: you guys are out here soon so gotta stick with it just for a few more months maybe but it's
0: super convenient though because like i said the school's right there but i just i love the south bay
1: no what city
0: were you living in when we were going to high school where are you from so
1: i'm i was living my first maybe up until my freshman year of high school in carson but now i live in torrance like right next to like north high school okay yeah so i've been in south bay my whole life
0: okay and then Um, You know what? We should go ahead and I'll let you introduce yourself a little bit. Go ahead and give us a little rundown on what you're doing. You're definitely got a lot going on. (laughs) And that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast is because I really respect the the game and the hustle that you're going after, not just as a student athlete, but as a human being who I can tell is obsessed with growth.
1: Definitely. Yeah, no, so I'll give a quick introduction. My name is Kayla Padilla, 20 years old, going to be a senior at the University of Pennsylvania this coming fall. I play basketball there, but I think a big part of who I am is definitely priding myself on being more than just an athlete. So I'm a huge lover of music, big family person, and really this summer started to embrace different side of my personality. So this summer I started a TikTok, I made a website, you know just trying to create resources for other people, trying to get into internships, like the summer I interned with Google, actually, in Chicago. So mm-hmm. I want to hear all about that, For sure, that too. yeah, no, but um, again, as much as being a basketball player has formed so much of my identity and life experiences, I've really tried to focus on, especially since high school, really branching out and just not being defined by that one certain thing.
0: How did you come to that? When, when was that aha moment as a basketball player where you, and first of all, you're not just a basketball player, you're a fucking baller, all right? Like <laughs> I you, see it you. out there. I know what's going on. I'm seeing the stats and Brandon keeps me in the loop. For I follow sure. him and I know you got to be humble and you got to do this, but you're a fucking animal. No, so thank you, thank kudos you, thank you. to you and like I support it all and I hope the best and I hope you stay super healthy and just keep doing what you're doing because it's definitely working. Uh, University of Pennsylvania. Yes. Is that an Ivy League
1: school? It is an Ivy League school.
0: So there you go, too. You're a brainiac, you know (laughs) what I mean? And it's one of those things where it's like, in our relationship, Hannah's the academic. She handles all that stuff of studying and this and that. My biggest goal in life is to figure out how to not do the homework and still pass the (laughs) test. So while everybody else is studying, getting that stuff, I'm going, what's the bare minimum I can do to still get what everybody else has so I can move on to the next thing? pattern recognition. That's my biggest gotcha. goal in life. And I've identified that when I was really young. No, so one great. of those things is what's it like being the top dog at like an Ivy League university? Cause I never even had that in my mind sure. personally. So let me live that through you. Yeah. Tell me what that's like. How's the workload?
1: The workload is tough. Um, I mean, I went to Bishop Montgomery High School, so you're pretty familiar. It's just right across the street from West, And I think they did a really good job at preparing me for the next level. But, I mean, an Ivy League school is an Ivy League school. Things are going to be tough. You go from being the top dog at your high school, but now everyone's the top dog at the University of Pennsylvania. So I think a huge thing for me, not to – I know we just started and we're already going on the deep it's end. It's okay. But That's just, usually what guests here yeah. do. We
0: usually go straight into – this is what I do, uh, business and finance, for la, sure. la, la, la. And then we usually taper it back. Like, 50. So go ahead. Just yeah. start rolling.
1: Yeah, I guess I just for some more context on like what I do at Penn. Obviously, I'm a basketball player there, but I'm also studying finance and management at the Wharton School of Business. And again, like I was saying, everyone's a top dog there. Everyone's the valedictorian of their class. Everyone started some sort of nonprofit, met the president a year ago. Everyone is doing something there. So I think a big thing for me, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people at Penn, is imposter syndrome. Okay. You know? Not really feeling like you belong, and I think, especially as an athlete who didn't necessarily go through the traditional, okay, I'm applying. Here are my transcripts. Here are my grades. Going the other route of being recruited through basketball, it's like, did I really deserve to get in here? Could I get in here without having basketball on my resume? So I think that's something that's really trailed through my mind, especially freshman year. But as I've gotten older, now being a senior, just kind of realizing that, you know, I do belong here, and you know, my worth extends beyond what I do on the court, and. I can make a contribution to Penn just beyond, you know, shooting a three and, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So that's been where my mind's at. And I really love my Penn experience so far. And it's gone by really fast. But again, just appreciative of the opportunity to go across the country for school and play ball and do something I love.
0: I love to hear about that. And we're going to get into imposter syndrome. That's something that I suffered from definitely transferring to Cal State Long Beach being not as that I wasn't worthy. Honestly, it's kind of, I'm going to sound like a dick, but it's whatever. But like, I thought I was better. I don't want to say too good, but confidence. I just, that's something that I've never lacked is confidence. Mm -hmm. So every, I never fit in an academic box. So just the idea of them going like, oh, one major, Oh, uh, no, I want to do seven things. Yeah. What do you mean? I, you want me to do one thing? So, but that's just me personally, sure. like I, as a person who's always just been like, ah, oh, fuck school. And then my thing is like, hey, I had to pay for it. I got to do this. I still got to pay. Keep the lights on here. Right. I got to take care of that dog. I got to do certain things that are like keeping me. Yeah. So for me, the biggest imposter syndrome was like everybody's partying and hanging out and like doing college shit. And right. I was like, no, because that's so short term. I'm thinking mm-hmm. long term. And my biggest thing that I've done to dealt with the imposter syndrome is just have patience. Sure. So that's one of those things of like me personally, just knowing that like, oh yeah, no, my time is coming and just don't try to eat the entire cake in one sitting, try to piece it out and go one slice at a time has really helped me.
1: For sure. What do you think
0: about that? What are some ways that you've dealt with that?
1: Yeah, no, but I think just to go off of your story, it's so awesome that I know we're in college and it seems like we're all supposed to have it together, but a lot of people don't. So having that sort of awareness of long-term rather than short-term and not trying to exactly fit into what you're supposed to be doing in college is, is really great that you're already thinking about that. And I can definitely relate to that. But in terms of imposter syndrome, I think ways I've dealt with it is honestly just knowing that it's never really going to stop. I feel like imposter syndrome kind of travels everywhere you go. And especially, you know, for people maybe not as confident as you are. I mean, you exude that right away. Whenever you step into a room, I, I feel like, you know, you have that confidence. But for someone like me, who might not necessarily be at that level, it's about being around the right sort of people, people who will value you beyond one part of your identity. So for me, that's being around people who, okay, they don't only look at me as a basketball player, they don't only look at me as someone who goes to Penn in an Ivy League. So I think really just surrounding yourself with the right people has been able to been the biggest, I think, contributor of being able to work through some sort of those issues. Um, but again, just building that confidence over time, I think is huge. Like you said,
0: I would like to hear about, uh, making that decision to go across the country. Sure. And you're about finding your right people. And that's something that we're really big on this podcast is, uh, sort of the immigrant story, stuff mm. like that, where the love of my life was born in Sweden. Right. So if you think about that, most Americans don't even have a passport. You ask people how many yeah. times they've been out of the country. It's, it's really sad. Right. So leaving understanding that there is a bigger place out there and sometimes you have to leave your town or your right. city or the, the people that you're with in order to grow in other places For you sure. see what I'm saying yes. so run me through that process
1: yeah so I mean ever since this sounds sort of silly but maybe the third or fourth grade I knew I wanted to play college basketball and I knew it was grind time after that so fast forwarding maybe my junior year of high school is when my recruiting process really started to pick up. And it was honestly between schools very close to home or schools across the country. A lot of Ivy Leagues and a lot of, you know, like LMU, Pepperdine, stuff like that. And I mean, what I was looking for most importantly was a good academic school. And I mean, how can you beat an Ivy League in that sort of realm? Mm -hmm. And Penn specifically had the best of both worlds for me in terms of great academic school, but also a really great basketball program where I could come in and make an immediate impact. So how could I not? The only barrier was... I'm a huge, you know, family girl. How could I be 2,500 miles away from the people I love most and have them not be at every single game like they were in high school? So obviously that was the biggest challenge for me. But again, there are a few considerations. One, again, best academic in basketball school. Um, That was on my recruiting radar. But two, when do you get the opportunity to have four years built in where you can be in another city and live this sort of independent experience. I think those two were the biggest drivers in, in getting me to Penn, and definitely do not have any regrets about that decision.
0: Yeah, so that's awesome. Um, is it? Do you feel far away?
1: I do. Do Obviously, you get homesick? I do. I'm freshman year specifically. I was going through it for the first couple of months. But obviously, you know, these past four years of us being in college were a little bit funky, you know, with the pandemic. So I was home most of my sophomore year. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of a blessing in disguise to get that time with my family that I didn't think I'd have during these college years. But definitely being in Philly, especially with the time zones and, and stuff like that, definitely makes me feel far away.
0: How? Tell me about it. Um... I want to know about, like, Pennsylvania. You're in Philly?
1: I am in Philly. I like
0: that. You know, honestly, there's been something that I don't want to say has been calling me there, but I haven't been to New York yet. Okay. But honestly, I really don't have an urge to go to there. But if I am going to the East Coast, I would like to stop out in Philly and, like, check it out a little bit. Just There just seems like there's a bit of a like, do you feel the culture out there? Do you see what I'm saying? Like they have their own thing, which they've earned it. Sort of like LA, we have our own thing of this is us and this is what we do. They have that out there. Did you feel that culture shock going out there immediately or what?
1: I did. I feel like there's a pride that runs through Philly. Just the people, again, just the culture. I think Philly is a really great combination of still being urban like LA, but also having a really deep-rooted history you know Mm -hmm. the liberty bell there independence hall there's so many different landmarks you can see and really feel like you know you're where history is being made but again yeah i know i feel like it's a really great place to be and i definitely recommend it if you're ever out in the east coast i'm
0: with that i have some questions now that we can get into it um i'm not just like on my phone texting (laughs) and stuff like that i wrote down um talk to me about how you got a google internship
1: oh yeah okay that's Let's switch fucking lanes. lit
0: hold on now sure. so we'll get back into basketball and stuff like that but i was scrolling through your instagram and yeah. i was like whoa that's big time right there For google sure. the google yeah. you know what i mean how do you what what were your urges tell me about that like how did that even start
1: sure no so i think it started i was able to get into this program called the google bold immersion program last summer which is virtual due to the pandemic, but they usually fly 50 students out to their Mountain View campus, the big, you know, when you think of Google, you think of that campus. Where's
0: the headquarters at?
1: Um, It's like in the Bay Area, Mountain View, kind of near San okay. Francisco-ish, okay. Silicon Valley. Gotcha. So, but ours was online, just obviously due to the nature of COVID and everything. But 50 students, you apply and you get accepted. Truthfully, I forgot I applied, so I got the email a few months later that I got it, and I was like, wait a sec, what did That's I awesome. do? And I didn't realize the magnitude of it being How so How did exclusive. you find it? I, I think I saw it on like LinkedIn or something, but it was okay. more so a long shot. Google mm-hmm. has like an acceptance rate for their programs and internships of like 0.3%. It's harder to get into a Google program slash internship than it is to get into Harvard. So I was like, you know what the heck, let's try it and, and give it a go. Because it was targeted for minorities, people of color. So okay. obviously that gives you a know, smaller application pool, but still... Thousands of people are applying, Um, but yeah, I ended up getting into that program, and I think that really being a part of that sort of kickstarted me into getting the full time internship that I did this past summer. Um, But I can get more into like what I was doing this summer as well. Yeah, what'd
0: you do? Talk to me about Google. Yeah, no, let's go. Um, Shit, I use Google every day. You
1: know? (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel like Google is such a big company that it's so hard to you know like pinpoint certain things of what people are doing, but. So just, like, again, for context, I'm studying finance and management at Penn, but this internship that I was doing is sales, Mm -hmm. which is sort of completely outside of my personality. I feel like when people hear sales, they think, oh, you're pitching all the time, you're making cold calls trying to, you know, get people to give you money or stuff like that. But I was working with, like, larger-scale customers, so I was working with, like, American Express and, like, pharmaceutical companies who have millions of dollars to spend on YouTube, Google Search, and stuff like that. So I found sales very much to be more so, like, consulting, problem solving, and definitely changing my perspective on what the word sales means. But overall, I mean, Google was Google. It was an awesome experience. I got took advantage of their perks, all the free food, free coffee, yeah. you know, massages during the work what? day. What? Really? Yeah, no. So I'm super blessed. I know it's a, I was in a very lucky position this summer and I don't take that for granted. And again, learned so much. And like I said, really grateful for that entire experience. That's
0: awesome. Let's talk about your relationship with Brandon. Sure. Um, that's how I know you. Yeah. Is my buddy. We went to high school. You know, I think I've talked about him before. I interviewed his dad and shout out to Osorio. And um, I've he's been that one guy I remember that I was like, I hope he ends up with someone really, really nice. Because here's the thing is when I was in high school, I wouldn't say that I definitely wasn't the guy that I am today mm-hmm. as far as my thoughts on how I and perceived or impact out others outside sure. of my own head. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like Osorio was always a very kind soul mm-hmm. and always kind of had that from the jump sure. where I was just so aggressive and so... Focused on like myself yeah, at that yeah. point in time, that he was seeing things that I wasn't seeing, and that's why I was gravitating towards him. Got it's it. like, you need somebody, you're, you're gonna find a really good partner, buddy. I don't know what's gonna happen with me. We don't know, it's too early to tell, but you're a good dude, and I know sure. what you deserve what you deserve. So I'm really happy that you guys are together. Thank you. Thank and you. And my favorite thing about you is like you got really good jokes. Like you're I, I can tell, <laughs> you're like, you're with it. You're really into like the know of you, you got some jokes. You can Thank hang. You. So yeah, like I can that's why Thanks. I like that's why I was like, hey, let me get her on. She's super cool and funny. So like that's awesome. For sure. Um long distance relationship, how's yeah. that been going?
1: It's been tough, not gonna lie. So Brandon and I actually got together the end of senior year, and I by that point knew I was gonna be in Philadelphia just a few months later. So that question was for me, it was like, do I really want to commit to something when I'm about to be twenty five hundred miles away from this person I'm just starting to date? Mm-hmm. And I think that summer really just opened my eyes to this immediate bond that we sort of had. And I'm not someone who feels the need to like, okay, I'm in college, I need to be single. I don't want to be, you know, shackled down by anyone. You know, if I have found someone I really like and love at this point, why would I give that up just to have a little bit more freedom in college? If I found the one or the one I want to be with for a long time, you know, don't let that go. So I had that approach and sort of knew early on. It might might have seemed premature to other people, but deep down I knew that this was gonna last. And definitely being twenty five hundred miles away is not easy. Mm-hmm. Um but we worked through it, you know, FaceTime is our best friend. I'm so yeah. lucky Brandon was able to is able to get out to Philly often and you know, just building that trust I think is the most important part about being away from each other and knowing what each other's doing, but also, you know, giving each other freedom to to be themselves and do what they do. But again, you know, Long distance isn't for everyone, but I think we've made it work for us specifically.
0: I really like that um, you're sort of advocating for destigmatizing sort of long distance relationships sure. because I think that our views that have been ingrained in us are kind of like a generation or two generations old of like, oh, we're going to write letters to one another. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's just not you fucking FaceTime. I know exactly what you did today, right. this and that. And it's like not a big deal. And I have access to you in your pocket, like 24 right. 7. So, it's not that big of an issue. And just travel is so much cheaper and so much right. different. That's my biggest thing with like Hannah and her family is mm-hmm. shit. I've been to Sweden like three or four times wow. in the past two years. Like it's just these Sweden trips just don't end. They yeah. just keep coming and coming and coming and that's far. So that's, yeah, no, that's one thing far. where it's like my that, that switched up my whole concept of like it's fucking far. It's we're going over fucking right. Iceland or Greenland or both or whatever. Yeah. You just fly and we're just like, why am I on this part of the globe? I don't know what's going on, but that's right. far. So like, but it's really not. That's the thing is yeah. it's so far, but it's just a day's travel. Exactly. It's amazing that I can be at LAX in the morning and then literally what 17 hours from now, like I end up in right. this little town in Sweden yeah. that she's from. So it's like super cool and wonderful that like long distance. Cause that's my thing too. And another thing is like destigmatizing the idea of like maturity. Right. That's something that I've really kind of fucked with is I feel like I never got the respect early on. Mm. I, I'm just now getting it now. And I don't okay. know, I haven't gotten into it. I think it might be my size. I think it might be just sure? the way that I'm looking now, yeah. but I had these things in my head very early on, and Mm -hmm. it comes to parenting. I was parented at a level to where they instilled things in me that is the reason why we have apartments in Long Beach, Mm -hmm. you know, why I have a girlfriend that I love, why I have certain things that are unfortunate byproducts of hard work Mm -hmm. and success. So it's like, how did you feel about like people saying, oh, you're too young to fall in love? Because that was something I went through with Hannah was I was like 18 or 19. And it was just like, no, no, this is, I was like, as long as she doesn't fuck it up, like, I think it'll work out. Like, it's not, but it's just like, oh, no, you don't know. You know, you hear older people talking about, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Wait until you're this age. Wait, And it's just like, that's your life. Let me live my life. So how do you feel about that?
1: Just like based off what you just last said, I mean, everyone's opinions are based on their personal experience. So if that didn't work for someone, that doesn't mean it doesn't work for all of us. So I get the level of respect that you need to have for other peoples and what they've gone through. But again, it's what matters to you and what you think you can do. And, you know, the worst thing that can happen is putting the onus on yourself. You know, you can't really make decisions based on what other people are telling you to do. So, you know, if this fails, it's not on you, it's on me. And, you know, hey, it's my fault. So I think it's taking that sort of level of ownership. But I totally get you. The amount of times I was told, you know, like, well, be careful. Do you really know what you're getting into at 17 years old going across the country from your boyfriend who you've been with for four months at this point? You know, I obviously see there were some flags there. And I'm, you know, not blind to that. But it was something I was ready to commit to. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of people didn't understand. And, I mean, look at us now. We're still together three years later, having navigated already three years of long distance and going into our hopefully last and senior year of high I'm not high school, college. Mm-hmm. So we've gone through it, and we've made it work. So I think, you know, just when you commit yourself to something and what you do for the people you love, you know, there is no bounds to that. Like you said, you're traveling to Sweden. How did I get here? You love her, and, you know, it's something you're willing to do for that. So
0: I like that. I can relate. And then the other thing is, like, the importance of when you have a, cert- a team around you, I wanna get into the concept of teams through basketball, sure. through your internships, through your relationship, through uh, your family. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you have a team around you, they can put certain pressures on you of like, oh, this is how I felt at this stage of life. So let me give it to you. When my biggest thing has always been, whether it's my parents or mentors or people around me, it's like, no, you understand that I learned from your experience. Like I kind of learned from you. That's why I'm in this position at the same stage of life as you were, Mm -hmm. but with more experience because you fucked up at that. So therefore I know. Ooh, let me not do that. Let's not have a kid in college. You know what I mean? Because that's what my parents did. So it's like, now I learned. Now, let's say a fear that my parents might have would be like, oh, don't get in a relationship while you're in college because you might have a kid like I did. And I go, wait a minute now. Uh, No, that's not what's going to happen because I was there just like you were. All right, I was alive when you were, you know what I mean? So it's one of the things of the importance of team. How do you look at that? And how do you try to develop as a leader within teams?
1: No, that's a great question. I think to start this question off, I have to bring it into the realm of my family, because that's your foundational team, of course, despite, you know, basketball school, that's the team you'll always have. And I think my family has done a great job at, let's say, let's put this in the metaphor of me driving a car, right? My parents are in the backseat, but they let me steer the wheel. They'll give me advice, you know, they'll tell me to watch out for certain things word ahead, but they're never going to take over steering that wheel and make me make a decision that I don't want to make. Mm-hmm. And I'm really grateful for that because I know a lot of parents who get up on that front seat and take over.
0: Was for- that throughout your entire childhood? You that is for my entire They did a really good job. That yeah. Thing.
1: So I'm, I was an only child for 11 years of my life. And then I, my parents had two, my two younger twin sisters who oh, are wow. now nine.
0: Are they identical?
1: they're fraternal so it's okay. easy to tell them apart or at least to me because I'm around them so much but i think the having that 11 or so years just me and them we were besties you know we were they were my number one supporters and still am but i think that close time allowed us to really you know become strongly bonded together but mm-hmm. of course you know that bond remains even though my sisters are now have grown up but again just having that sort of support on their end and knowing that I can make the decisions I want to make, obviously with their support and guidance, has been fundamental in me making the decision to go to Penn, to go to Chicago, to be in this long-term, long-term and long-distance relationship. But I guess, you know, framing that in sort of the context of maybe we can talk about basketball or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, a big thing for me about being a leader specifically within a team is knowing what type of leader you are. I feel like there's a lot of connotations with the word leadership and that you need to be super outspoken. You need to be the loudest one in the room, the most vocal, the most, you know, just out there. But it's really not. And I feel like you can lead in different ways. Even if you're not the team captain, you can lead by working hard, being a good teammate. So I think it's about knowing your style and what your strengths are and leveraging that and knowing that, you know, there's a role you can fill.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing that I've had to develop is I was always such a loud leader, mm-hmm. like a just very, that was, And I mean, that also is my personality Yeah, and there's too. nothing wrong with that. But if you're kind of looking, as you look back into like Asian culture, sure. stuff like that, where you have the leaders that will, you know, like the older man that yeah, is yeah. just stoic and so silent, but still is heard right. without words. Right. And that's the coolest thing that I kind of want to be able to develop and add to my kind of toolbox is the ability to maybe not be so raw raw and maybe be a little bit of like let the work speak for itself right and it seems like that might be how i'm perceived so far of like how you rock and roll is like let's kind of let my my um what is it like let my performance speak louder than how i talk about it sure as a competitor um obviously not even athletically but just out in life There's something about looking another man in his eyes or woman in her eyes and just seeing defeat.
1: That I enjoy,
0: so I <laughs> yeah. like to make that said, and I just like to compete. I like to go, no, hey, sure. I'm gonna call this shot, and I'm gonna fucking bank it, and it's gonna exactly. go right in, and there's not a fucking thing you can do about right. it. I enjoy that, but I understand for pe- people that don't enjoy that, for people who would rather just like win and or sportsmanship. Right, I'm not fuck all that <laughs> sportsmanship. Oh, man. Yeah, but I'm the
1: source loser out there. Are you really? Yeah. yeah.
0: So the thing is, is like I, the reason I talk so much shit is because when I do lose. I want that person to have their time. Like, no, I lost. All right, go ahead. Tell me, oh, Venture, you suck. You did this. I can't believe this and that. Your girlfriend should come home with me, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. I want to hear it all. And that's kind of how like me and Osorio's relationship is. is We always go back and forth. Everything from literally him stealing my birthday is Uh, like, you know what I mean? We just I call him every year like, dude, what's going on? I had it first. You just want to be me so bad that like this is what you got to do. So it's just things like that. What type of competitor are you though? That's what I want to hear more about
1: sure i mean i don't think i'm like you and that i'm i'm probably the worst trash talk if you asked me to trash talk someone i'd probably end up somehow giving them a compliment so that's definitely (laughs) not me but i think what you said earlier i'm the sort of competitor where it's like okay i'm I'm gonna shut up i'm gonna play my game but then after you're gonna know what i'm about and Mm. what i do so i don't necessarily need to shove it down your throat that i'm better than you but you're gonna see it through my performance and i think you know, that whole sort of phrase, like don't talk about it, be about it. And I think that's me on on the court specifically. Um, but you know, I, I do enjo- enjoy, like trash talkers on the court. So I think that get- makes the game fun makes it competitive, but yeah. I totally see, you know, both sides of the coin.
0: And another thing too, that we can transition from having a team and leadership is into like work ethic. You're sure. somebody that has really succeeded on all academic, athletic, uh, relationship family fronts that you're doing the right thing. And I really, you know, you got my stamp of support on Thank that. You. And what I want to talk about is like a... That's how I work hard. Is mm-hmm. you don't understand everything that I say outwardly, everything that people hear of like, "Blah, I'm the best. I yeah. do this. I do this." I tell myself that ten yeah. times before I do it. So it's one of those things of what what are some of the tactics? And I know people learn differently and people operate sure. differently. That's why I want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Is I am a guy who when I wake up in bed at five a.m. and we're going to work out or we're going to work or we're doing something, I do have to convince myself. Sure, so no. I have to give myself that pep talk. And it is a very aggressive compared to other people yeah. of like, you soft motherfucker, get your <laughs> ass out this bed. You ain't doing nothing. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Like you're there's people that came before you that have it so much harder than right. you and this and that. So it's like, what do you tell yourself? That gets you sort of into that zone and in that space to where you can start that free flow and really start working your craft?
1: Sure. No, that's a great question. And I love that approach. Obviously, sometimes you need that aggressive pep talk, pep talk to get you out of bed and, and get going. But I think having been an athlete for so long and being surrounded by great peers who are so hardworking and getting that influence from them, I've sort of developed into this sort of perspective where if I'm not working out, I know someone else's and I need to be doing that. So, I remember there are a few days where I'm like, man, I'm not going to work out today. But then as the day goes on, you start to feel guilty. And, you know, even though that sounds a little bit bad, I think sort of having that mindset as opposed to slacking off, has gotten me to this level of discipline where I know what I need to be doing every single day. Yeah. I saw this chart on Instagram or Twitter or something. It's like your motivation can be volatile. It's going to be up and down, but your discipline should stay constant. And I think that's been me in terms of just tackling each day. And even if I can get 1% better at something, whether that be physically, mentally, spiritually, personally, it's 1% better than I was at the start of the morning.
0: Yeah. I love that. And my biggest thing that I've literally figured out over like the past six months is I used to be a guy that was just like, yeah, it's going to suck and it's going to hurt whatever it is that the task that I'm doing, that's going to get me better but we're just going to do it. I was never able to identify like that hit of dopamine that you get Mm. when you complete your workout or you complete your meeting or you complete your uh, task or, you know, your phone call that Mm -hmm. you were supposed to make. So now that I can like, you know, comfort, everybody loves comfort, that battle with comfort that you got to do when you go, no, the bed is comfortable. Oh no, this, the, the pizza tastes so good. Let yes. me get that hit. of You you eat that pizza and it feels good for like 10 minutes, but then what? You feel like shit. You feel so fat like right. for several hours afterwards. But what about that same hit of dopamine when you eat a salad that you like pat yourself right. on the back? You know what I mean? You're exactly. like, look at me, Caesar salad. Get yeah. <laughs> that in. Getting so healthy. now I have to identify to myself before I even make my decision of like, am I going to have pizza today or am I going to get a salad? I need right. to go, when do I want my dopamine? Do I want it early? Or do I want it afterwards when the work is done? And I go, afterwards. So now that's what I do to get the salads. What is your process like?
1: Sure. I mean, I think just that whole, the word comfort has been a big thing for me. And I've sort of tasseled between people can live their whole life being comfortable or you can live your life challenging yourself. And I see both sides of the coin, man. Why not be comfortable your entire life? Cruise by, but that also means like, hey, you're eating junky food. You're not working out. You're not doing what you can do to maximize your full potential. Or you can challenge yourself and put yourself in difficult situations and and grow even more as a person. So I see both sides of the coin. Um, I think that was a big thing for me, going to Penn. I knew it would be comfortable to stay at home and stay where I knew. But I wanted to challenge myself and get something out of myself that, I knew couldn't happen if I was 10 minutes away from home. Um, So again, like that process of challenging yourself, it's knowing the end result and knowing it's going to suck, I think is the most important part to recognize. It's not going to be easy. But again, that feeling after you do a tough workout after a long run or eating that salad, you know, you wish you could have had an in-and-out burger, but you decided to have the salad instead. I think that sense of fulfillment is continues to be a habit that you can continue to follow and I want love to chase it. after. I
0: love it. And we could go on this tangent for another several yeah. hours. <laughs> what I want to do is sort of scale back now okay. and let's take a little breather, rest sure. a little bit, and then we'll get back into it. But sort of, I like to relax just by like dicking around with the idea of like, who are some of your favorite athletes growing sure. up? Who are some of the people that you looked at? I personally looked at athletes as, it, were they even athletes? Mm-hmm. Who are some of your favorite people that you looked up to as a little girl?
1: Sure. So I mean, this is going to sound cliche, but it's not to me. I love Kobe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Growing up, obviously, in Los Angeles and seeing him develop into what I think is one of the greatest basketball players and athletes of all time, he was someone I looked up to. And obviously, I think as a kid, it's more so just the the fascination you have with someone who's such a beast on the court and can look a defender in the eye and say, you know, I'm going to take you. But as I've gotten older, I really appreciated... Him not so much as an athlete, but who he is as a person and how basketball wasn't just it for him. How he went on to win an Oscar, do this body armor stuff, be a basketball coach for Gigi. Like I remember in this interview he had, he said, if basketball is the greatest thing I've ever done in my life, then I failed. Oh, I like that. And that really struck home with me. So it's all about, you know, continuing to develop yourself and continuing to push yourself beyond what you're good at and finding things for for yourself to prosper out, even if it's something new and something different. And I think that's what I love about Kobe.
0: I like that a lot. And what was it about Kobe that you sort of remember most that you took from? Like for me, my favorite athlete of all time is, well, first of all, it's Joey Chestnut. Okay. So the hot dog eating champion, <laughs> I think he's, are we on 14 or 15 mustard belts? Oh There's no gosh. other athlete that has dominated his craft no. at that level. That's so amazing. Other than Joey Chestnut, Muhammad Ali, okay. obviously, and that's somebody where I got something out of Ali that I, we talked about it in you know previous mm-hmm. podcasts that where it really hit my soul. Okay, where I go oh, this is how I was feeling. And yep. here's somebody who succeeded kind of in the same way that I was feeling. Yep. Where as a kid, maybe I was like, am I allowed to say certain things sure. like this? And then Ali really gave me the ability to be like, you just have to be yourself. Right. Don't try to be anybody other than yourself. And really when you feel that it's right, sort of lean into it and don't let anyone try to take you off that sure. train that's going forward. So it's I like, what are the qualities that you were able to pull out of Kobe that you use every single day of your life?
1: Sure. I think what we were talking about earlier, just work ethic. Kobe would get six hours of sleep, Mm -hmm. train at four, take a break, train three other times during Mm -hmm. that day. And I've heard so many stories from other NBA players saying before games, he was in there 12 hours before tip-off. Like that Mm -hmm. is insane. And I realize that sort of drive is not going to be for everyone. But if you can just draw a little bit from that motivation he had to be the best he can possibly be for himself – that carries me to be better and not only just basketball, but in life. So I think the work ethic was just number one. And then again, like I said, last time, just being more than what you think you're capable. Of.
0: I like that. I like that a lot, actually. So there's two things that I think I've been struggling with right now that I'm working on improving. And it's, This idea of, one of my mentors told me a couple years ago, like, it's really hard to help somebody that doesn't want to help themselves. Mm, So I I understand that, but I still feel so empathetic for people to where, like, I'm looking at certain life decisions that they're making, and I go... I don't think that's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even basing that off of like, I used to be like, well, if you want to do it my way, this is the way to succeed, blah, blah, blah. I'm looking at it objectively as like, what is your goal? And these don't look like the steps to get anywhere near that goal. So, what are we doing here? Like, yeah. what is your definition of success? How do you deal with like people? Cause that's something that sure. unfortunately, like people in our age category right now, they're kind of struggling to find no. their independence. I would say, I, I don't you. know if you're feeling the same way I'm feeling, but it's like, it seems like there's a lot of people that aren't willing to go to Pennsylvania yep. and, you know, start a life and get their independence that way. What do you do? Um, to sort of keep those relationships mm-hmm. or do you choose to keep them even? Sure. You see what I'm that's saying? Question. Cause it's like, if you're only working with people who are really trying to make it to the top, sometimes it gets lonely like that. Yeah. And the way I'm Agreed. looking at it is like, I don't think it has to be that way. Not related to Kobe at all, but just no, like, I, I yeah. want it to be, yeah, I'm here doing my thing and they're doing their thing, but we can still coexist and have a good time together. Talk to me about that.
1: Yeah, no, that's, definitely feeling the same way you are. And that's a really great, you know, point you bring up. And I think there's two sides of the story. One, I've learned to be more cognizant that people's paths are different, might be more windy, and you can't really see the end goal in mind. And you know, there might be some decisions other people make around you, they are like, again, like you said, um, what are you doing, bud? Like, you say you want to be this, but how is this job or this opportunity going to get you there? So being cognizant that, you know, people's paths, again, are windy and that It may not look sort of straightforward now, but it's, you know, one step of the million step process. But then again, on the flip side, I like the saying that you're the average of the people you surround yourself with. So if you're surrounding yourself with people who are not motivated, not willing to challenge themselves, not wanting to grow, then how are you going to grow yourself if you keep, you know, being around those people? So for me, it's been about finding that balance in between both. It really is subjective to the relationship you have with them. If you're, they're your best friend since preschool. They're not doing too well. Obviously, it's going to be harder for you to ghost them once you have this long-standing relationship. Um, so just knowing where, again, your loyalties are, but also finding that balance between wanting to be around people who are going to inspire you. But again, being cognizant of, you know, people's paths are different. So it's a really tricky line to to sort of cross and Understand, but I totally—I feel like we're definitely on the same page as to like what we're thinking about. You
0: know what? I got a, another angle to look. Ooh, who's that from? Whatever. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> silence your phone. Jeez, Venture. <laughs> Fuck. Come on now. I got something for you. What would you? What's a message that you would try to send to somebody that? maybe is intimidated by the success that you've able been able to accomplish at such a young stage in your life mm-hmm. so far. So before you answer that, I have, um, a little sister, right? Okay. She's just now entering high school. Right. What I would like for her, for example, is to be like, Hey, look at Kayla. Sure. Do you see what I'm saying? Look yeah. at what she was able to accomplish right now. And I think that within today's society and within the way things are looking right now, it seems like we're getting less and less of a like, oh, I can look up to Kayla. Right. Oh, she was able to do that. Maybe I don't want to play basketball. Maybe mm-hmm. I want to do this. But guess what? She was able to do what she likes. Right. So I can do what I like as well. How do you sort of look at molding younger minds? Sure. And I think that you're somebody who obviously is super um, like... Aware of helping people that are coming up behind you, what are some things that you would encourage by people who maybe are like intimidated by the stuff that you're succeeding at right now?
1: Sure, no, that makes sense. I think, like you said, it's great to have such positive role models and influences, but when it becomes a problem and I think an issue to younger people is when you start comparing yourself. So finding that line between, okay, I'm inspired by them, but I don't want to compare myself to them there's a saying like comparison is the thief of joy. If you're Mm -hmm. constantly comparing to someone yourself, to someone who's so accomplished, obviously you want to draw inspiration from them, but you don't want to sort of level your situations and see how far below you are from that person. So I think it's important to to have those sort of figures in your life where they can honestly just be a source of inspiration and, but you can't compare yourself to that person, you know, especially in like Filipino culture. I think comparison is huge. And again, like you said, I'm, I don't like to sort of boast about my accomplishments or anything but like that. But I am aware that, you know, I've been able to do a lot in just my 20 years of life, and I fear that, that sort of comparison is going to trickle down to my sisters, who are just now sort of entering that stage where they're finding their passions, their hobbies that they want to develop, and I don't want that them to be constantly comparing themselves to me. I want them to be their own person, and obviously our paths might look different, but at, at the end of the day, I want to be their inspiration, but not someone who they compare themselves to.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot, and um, it's hard for girls. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing it. That's my biggest thing right now. And it's. I've spent the past 10 to 12 years of my life sort of mastering how to be a man, sure. quote unquote, right? Of yeah. like certain things that were realistic, certain things that are just complete bullshit of like, I don't want to, I'm no longer interested in watching like, rogan or yeah, you know yeah. what i mean other yeah, people like if it's like no i got that like i spent all the time wrestling on the mat playing ball like yeah. fighting stuff like that i i get it i know how to be like a really helpful young man for some reason i've just over the past year or two maybe and hannah's helped a lot okay. with this too of like the shit that I'm watching is literally like women led podcasts. Like it's literally just like female based books, female based Mm -hmm. this and that. And it's just like, that's really where there's just this certain like touch and finesse that women have over like the, the majority of them that I'm like, I need to figure out how to develop that within myself so that I can become a better communicator so I can help more people. And it's like, where do you go? This is the next question of like, where do you get knowledge from mm-hmm. outside of school and outside of sports sure. and stuff like that? Are there certain podcasts that you are your, what are your favorite ones? What are some of your favorite books? What are some of your favorite outlets for sure. growth?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. I would say I, would, I err on the side of podcasts solely for music. That That's another conversation, but for pure like self-help, personal growth, I go to books. Or honestly, just like having conversations like these with people I know, people who I know I can pick their brains about certain things. But a few of my favorite books, let's see. I love memoirs. I love reading about CEOs' journeys of how they made it from working at a burger restaurant to now being the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. I love those stories. So it's like um, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight or Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney. Just like hearing their up-and-coming stories, I think you're able to take pieces of their journey and apply them to your own.
0: I loved Shoe yeah. Dog. That was shoe a good was one. Great. We can talk about that one. The biggest thing that I pulled from Shoe Dog, and I want to know what you pulled too, was just the idea of when I think about starting my own businesses, mm-hmm. if I go back to the early 70s when you know Nike was starting sure. its growth, the idea of like Phil Knight getting on a flight to some sketchy ass country that he had right. never been to, there's no internet, there's no nothing, and you right. have to go, I'm starting a factory and I want to build shoes. Yes. And the type of work ethic and drive that it took to succeed in that, and I'm sitting here on the computer building a podcast yeah, or an e-commerce sure. business going, oh, this is hard. And yeah. it's like, no, 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 buddy. Yeah. Calm down. Wait a fucking minute. <laughs> Just, you're fine, all right? You're in right. the AC or in an apartment right. by the beach. Chill out, all right? It's not hard. Like, But no, I got you. that's what I took from it. What did you take from, like, Shoe Dog?
1: Sure. And I want to tell you, like, even though – I feel like this is totally just I feel like generational sort of guilt that the people who came before you had it worse. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be that guilt, but I feel like it's hard to compare your experiences and you can't always, you know, say, "Oh, I should be cruising through this. I should be getting through this easy since, you know, people had it harder than us." But I think it's a you know, like a hard experience to sort of compare yourself in that sense, but specifically about shoe dog, I took from that. I'm someone who like loves Seeing instantaneous results. I think that's just sort of the byproduct of this generation. Uh huh. Instant gratification. Instant gratification. So, what I love about Shoe Dog is how Phil Knight went through so many iterations of Nike before he got to the thing, you know? Um, but I think, again, another huge thing that I took away from that specifically is that there were so many competitors of Nike. You had Adidas, you had Puma, you had Converse. How did he think that Nike was going to? Take over with such dominant forces in the game, so what I took from that was just when you have something you love so much so so passionate about for that to be your north star, it makes all the challenges and difficulties even less harder. so I think having again that North star is going to take you far despite any outside surrounding forces that are telling you no this is not going to succeed
0: I like that a lot that 's really good i I took that, but i didn 't even really identify it. I like sure. the way you put that and it's it's definitely something to look at with Nike as uh, the global giant that it is today. Right. Something that me and Hannah talk about that like kind of pisses me off. I want to know what your thoughts are, or even if you've thought about this. It makes me upset having the sort of stuff that we grew up with, as far as like Nike, mm-hmm. um, Hooper culture. Sure. You know what I mean? Like the stuff that we know where Nike came from. We know how it is. Right. I go over to Sweden. I go over to other places mm-hmm. and they're rocking the same shit that we're rocking but yep. it's not ingrained in their soul uh, do you see what i'm saying it's yeah. a little bit like wait a minute you have the jordans but tell me why you like the jordans right. tell Different me where reasons, that came right. from yeah you tell me what year those are from you yeah. know what i mean tell me what what the landscape of where that was created was right. i'm not saying you can never do it right. never know it. just know what's going on exactly. you know be informed be empowered be knowledgeable about what you're doing get to the root of it. Do right. you see what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, there's things that I do. There's things that like, but I ask questions. Totally. Do you see what I'm saying? If there's some new shit that I'm looking into that maybe it's not from like where I grew up with, it's like, let me find someone that knows about it. Exactly. Let me ask questions and figure it out. Don't just hop on a train and yes. you don't know where the fuck the train is yes. going or where it's been. Do you see what exactly. I'm saying? Yes. So that's what's up. And like, what do you think about that? Is Have you thought about that? What What's your issue with sure. that?
1: No, I, I definitely have some sort of the same so- thoughts about that and I I guess like since college or maybe since high school, I've been becoming more of a sneakerhead lately and I think sneakers, especially in the past few years, have taken off. People have is- how many panda dunks I see a day Mm -hmm. is crazy. Um, And of course, you know, as someone who like appreciates sneakers, not just for their looks, but just, you know, for what it represents, for, you know, whose sneakers are these, you know, what they stand for. It obviously is difficult to see so many people just like wearing stuff. You're like, do you even know what you're wearing? Do you even know what that's about? And obviously, like you can wear whatever you want to wear, but know what you're talking about. And I think that's sort of just a, a broader look into sort of the mainstream culture that is, plaguing, like, teenagers and young... I'm talking like I'm 60 years old. But talking, like, about people who are our age who are just hopping onto things just for the sake of hopping onto them Mm -hmm. and not necessarily wanting to learn more, wanting to dive deeper with that, just to look cool, which... Which frustrates me because I'm the type of person who like this may not look cool to you I might be listening to a song that came out 70 years ago and That might not look cool to you But I'm a gonna I'm love it and I'm gonna appreciate it And it's not obviously because I want to look cool Because it doesn't Yeah But you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: And that was the whole point of sneaker culture that I grew up with Was the goal was to find some shit that nobody else had Yeah So that you could sort of be a unique little unicorn sure, And yeah. you could walk around like different And exactly. your own version and like your own independence of that Whereas now it's like you said, the Panda Dunks is every, I see them everywhere and it's like, I'm not buying that now. What are you talking about? Everybody else has that shit. What am I going to do with that? Like I have the same shoe as everybody else. You, you want to, how do I now break off that mold? And I think that independence comes from like basketball. It comes from the hip hop era. That's where it was created of like, you want to be unique on the court. Mm -hmm. What is exactly. the only – everybody else looks the same. Everybody has the same pen yes. uniforms on. What is the only way – I don't know if you guys have to wear the same shoes, but you rock what you want to sure. rock. That's the way you show somebody, hey, right. this, is, this is me. I'm Kayla, exactly. and I'm with, rocking these, and this is how I hoop. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I totally so I get you. Uh, That's my little like rant on it. Like, just know (laughs) what you're doing and don't be a fucking jabroni about it. You know what I mean? But I like, I want to swing back to, you're talking about like older generations kind of shitting on us. (laughs) And I have one quote that really puts it into perspective for me by Sir Isaac Newton. And he goes, if I see farther, it's because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants Mm. And when I heard that, I go, that's what it is. Yeah. I'm here because my grandfather and my father were able to put certain things in place to sure. where I'm standing on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And it seems like I'm getting some attitude sometimes of yeah. like, as I'm standing on their shoulders, motherfuckers are like, why are you standing right. on my shoulders? It's like, no, you don't get it. I'm pulling everybody further exactly. with me. Like I plan on putting someone yes. on my, we're, we're growing, we're going vertical like that's what's going on so it's like if I see further it's because Mm. I'm standing on the shoulders of giants so what do you think about that like what are some other ways that you cope with like understanding that yes I have the ball in my hands right now but the goal is to pass the ball off to somebody who's going to continue to take the ball forward Mm -hmm. you know
1: yeah no I feel you and that's a that's difficult because sort of relating this to my own personal experiences. And obviously, this is sort of universal, but like respect for elders is huge, huge, huge in Filipino culture. Uh-huh. And there, there are some conversations where, you know, they're telling me what's best, what to do. And I respect that. But you have to take everything with a little grain of salt and apply it to, you know, what you think is best for yourself, because no one knows you better than yourself. So I think in terms of sort of taking what you learn from your grandparents or just people who are older than you and applying that to your younger generations who want to learn from you is a tricky line to balance because you got to obviously connect back to your influences, but also make it something of your own, which I think, you know, is, is a hard line to balance and a, a tight rope to walk. But that's something, honestly, I've been struggling with as of lately right now, just because there's so many directions in life right now at the stage of being in senior year What am I going to do for my first job? Yeah, I can listen to you, grandma. Yeah, I can listen to you, my high school teacher or something like that. You know, but like, what do I want to do? And how can I still honor what they're saying, but still, you know, put a personal spin on it?
0: I like that. My biggest thing is I don't let age define the level of respect that you get. Yeah. I It's very merit-based in my sure, head. There's okay. a lot of dumb old people out no, there. I feel you. And I meet them all the time on jet skis, <laughs> like, understanding, yeah. like, hey, just because you're old doesn't mean, and vice versa, like, yeah. young people really do have value when they've put in the work and sure. sort of understand what's going on within what they're talking about. So talk to me about the Sideline Post.
1: Yeah, no, that's a cool segue. Let's make that. Um, So the Asylum, have you heard of the Players' Tribune by any chance? I have not. Okay. So Derek Jeter, I don't know when, but I would say maybe a little bit more than a decade ago, made this platform called the Players' Tribune. And it's a site that houses stories from professional athletes that they can share about their lives beyond, you know, what they do on the court or the field or something like that. So it's actually the place Kobe wrote his retirement letter that was on the Players' Tribune. So that's how okay. I sort of took note of that. Um, and I've been a big fan of it ever since then, but realized there was no identical space for college athletes to share their stories through their own words and do the same. People like, I don't know, Sabrina Ionescu or like people, A-list college athletes could be on the Players' Tribune. But what about me? I go to a mid-major basketball school Not a lot of people respect the Ivy League as a competitive sort of conference in terms of athletics. Like, what if I wanted to share my story in some regard? Probably couldn't do it on the Players' Tribune, but there was no other space for me to do it. So identifying that gap in April of 2020, I made the sideline post while we were in quarantine, sent back from Penn. So I was home in my bedroom just trying to figure out how to make a website, how to get people to look at this. And it sort of took off, you know, since then. As of right now, we've published 52 full-length stories from college athletes across the world sharing stories about, you know, their journeys, some more personal matters like body image, mental health. We had a whole sort of um, segment during kind of like the height of George Floyd about for, you know, black athletes to sort of share their sentiments during that time. So really powerful stuff and just a, a nice outlet for I athletes like to have lot. to share their stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. How how what cha- What was the biggest challenge that you thought – Uh, of like in creating that
1: i think going back to what we were saying earlier about that instant gratification it's hard to get something that like that from a platform where you're not necessarily seeing likes you're just seeing how many people read it Mm -hmm. and it's obviously building that sort of community and people to continue to follow the platform i think has been the hardest thing but i don't think it was hard to get people on board people were really felt strongly about the mission which affirmed what i was doing was helpful impactful it's more so just continuing to build it and continue to get more eyes on it because i think it's such a, a valuable platform and a lot of people still don't know about it mm-hmm. so i think it's something really necessary especially in this time of college athletics where so many things are happening
0: that's awesome tell people how we can access that
1: yeah sure so you can go to the sideline or on our instagram our handle is the dot sideline that's
0: awesome yeah. yeah i'm gonna look into that Thank like you. later today that sounds really awesome and I like that a lot. What were, what are some of the challenges there? I don't know about challenges, but like when you, do you have anxiety towards entering new spaces? Do you see what I'm saying? Because you're somebody that doesn't have any experience or quote unquote, you're not the person that should be doing that, right? Like on the surface level. So what do you tell yourself when you, I'm not the person that should be starting a podcast. Let's say that I don't, you know, just for me, there's certain ways that I look at it as like. don't really give a fuck if it looks like it's fun i'm gonna go do it so like what did you sort of use as your driving factor for building something like that
1: i think specifically with the sideline post i knew how valuable it could be and so to have that not be out in the world and have that just be something that was an idea lingering in my head like how can i not feel guilty about not putting that out into the world and having people to share that with but just a lot of my other passions that like i've got into the summer like making a tiktok i know that sounds stupid but just like starting a music account on instagram or Mm -hmm. making a website it's like you know what the heck who cares what other people say and i feel like i was sort of locked in that sort of mentality that oh what are other people going to say about this but deep down if it's fun to you you're the only person that matters and if you can derive enjoyment from it then why not
0: Tell me about what are some of your favorite um, posts from the sideline posts. Like who who are some of your favorite like stories that have been on there that people can look at? Sure. Where should we start?
1: Yeah. So there's a, a wide range of topics. I would say, let's see. There's a big one that I felt had a really great impact. There's a girl named Maggie Robinson. She wrote a story about called I Am More Than My Body. She's a soccer player at the University of Pennsylvania. So I knew her. And I think body image is such a huge thing for female athletes specifically. She wrote about her image, which her issues with her image over her soccer career, and I think it's such a hard line to balance between, you know, doing what your coach says and they're telling you to lean up, get big in the weight room, but then at the same time you're not looking like the girls who are on Instagram and everyone's you know drooling after. So talking about that sort of struggle and and making it more, you know, relatable and and transparent to talk about those sorts of issues was one big thing. But then you also have just like really cool transformative stories. There's one called um, Basketball Religion and Me by Dia Fortenberry, and she found her way to Islam during her freshman year of college. So just a wide range of topics on the silent post. But those are two that definitely stick out in my mind.
0: I like that. And when we're talking about like body image and stuff like that, it's that was probably my biggest issue with um, like major team sports is the pressure to always do more. Sure. And you can get to a certain point where, you know, you start to hit like critical mass and Mm -hmm. it's just no longer – like when I look at hard knocks or or like NFL teams and stuff like that, you look at the type of stress and anxiety that these men are put under as far as there is no perfect football play. So if you're chasing – you know, perfection what happens when you chase perfection and aren't okay with where you see what I'm saying? It's okay to to strive to be perfect, but you got to understand that there is no perfection. Like there is no perfect thing. Sure. Strive for it. It's good. Be as good as it can make it, but you're going to fuck up along the way. So like that, that super, it it becomes such a cancerous mindset towards, and it's something that I've had to change and improve on to where I have to actually define my goal. And that's something that really helped in track when I made Mm -hmm. that transition. And like, obviously um knowing like okay I'm looking for this time sure and then once I get to that time okay now there's a new goal but with sports like basketball football you know it's always like go more 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 and it's just like you never really are able to sit and be like where are we going where are we getting to so how do you deal with that how do you sort of figure out like okay this is where we're going as a team you know what I mean
1: and I think it's important to also contemplate like who are you trying to like strive for perfection for is it for yourself Mm. if it's for someone else then is it worth it you know obviously if when you're in a team sport you will you know make sacrifices for the betterment of the team but when you're extending yourself too much to the point where it's not to the benefit of anyone i think that's an important line to distinguish but in terms of just again goes back to surrounding yourself with the right people if you're not around the right people on your team like how are you going to make sacrifices that will hurt you physically hurt you mentally and have that be for the greater good of them when you know that they don't even have your back yourself
0: i like that so it's
1: about again i think that's the biggest thing who you surround yourself with really dictates how who you are as a person and what you're willing to do for those people yeah
0: and you're talking about why why? That's the question you got to ask. I think that's the first question we asked as little kids, right? Why? Yeah, exactly. No, why? Why is this? And I think so often people fail to keep asking why. They mm-hmm. just sort of stop at step two when you could have went to step ten. Right. And my biggest thing is, I I was playing sports for other people. That was my whole thing. Yeah. Is I didn't really care about sure. sports for them. I didn't care about football. I didn't care about track like that. Like I wanted to use track to pay for school, this and that. Yeah. Like that's a whole nother thing. What do I love? What did I like about sports? It is the process. Yes. So that's my biggest thing was once I was able to translate that out of sports mm-hmm. and go, oh, the process is everywhere. Once you find it, exactly. it can be here, there. It can be with uh, the police force. Mm-hmm. It can be with, you know, firefighters, doctors, lawyers, whatever right. it is, podcasters, YouTubers, like it's everywhere. And once I figured that out, yes. I go, oh, fuck, nobody's about to stop me. Yeah. I, I go, oh, God damn it. Honestly, here's the weirdest thing. If we're talking about confidence and something that somebody out there really needs to hear is like, you don't understand is like two, three years ago, I really looked in the mirror and I was like, fuck, this motherfucker going to do it. Like I really hit it. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my God, he's going to get it done. Like he's really calling right. these shots and he's going to do it. Like I looked at the mirror and I'm just like, yeah, I, awesome. I like you. I really like you. How many people... I wish, I wish there was more people that would look in the mirror and really go, I'm proud of you. I'm happy right. about what you're doing. I love you. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I, I talk a lot of shit about myself and about other people and stuff like that. But at the end of the day is I really want people to do what makes them happy. Right. Regardless of what that is, sure. as long as you're not harming other people. Exactly. You know? Yep. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, no, I love that for you, man. I mean, just like being able to look yourself in the mirror and give yourself some positive affirmations. And I think there's... Different sources and of motivation that for other for different people, you know, it's it's different for everyone. So for you, it might be giving yourself positive affirmations, and for me, I'm like, I don't I don't think I do that too often for myself. But I make sure that I'm around people who will do that for me, and that that sort of sounds self-indulging, but in the most genuine way possible, like to be around people who will continue to support you, continue to to make transparent their support and um, sort of just encouragement. So hearing those affirmations from other people, I think, is important for me, especially I think within my family. Because if I'm not doing it for myself, then I'm doing it for my family. If I'm not doing it for my family, then I really gotta love you to do something for you know for that. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, I think it's really subjective to the person. Um but confidence is key, that's the undercurrent of it all. Having a confidence in yourself will hurdle you through a lot of different things and it's something to develop over time and I'm I'm happy to see that, you know, it's grown for you, especially within these past few years.
0: Yeah and i think we're going to go ahead and transition now into sort of what are the things that maybe help you gain confidence what are the things that actually you do to relax do you sure. see what i'm saying i'm a type of person to where it's very hard for me to relax and decompress and mm-hmm. come down i'll work 23 and a half hours out of the day oh my gosh yeah let's say and and that doesn't scare me that goes gotcha. okay that's what we're doing sure. today but now going hey you're going to take a rest day i go Oh, that's scary. I don't know what's going on with that. So I know that music, this is a good segue into music to where me personally is I grew up with music as a builder. I grew up as, okay, we're putting this and we're going to get jacked on and we're going to get in the Hmm. weight room and we're going to fucking do it. You know what I mean? Like all coked up. So uh, music though can also bring people down. What do you use music for? And tell me about your love of, you know, the art. Sure.
1: Uh just for some context I guess I grew up in a very musical household my parents are huge fans of music um my dad actually like in the 90s was in like a boy band like, uh-huh. a very low key boy band but um sings plays the piano so mu- good music was always circulating around the household and i think now it is a way for me to decompress not only listening to it but i like play the guitar you know play the piano so something where you can completely take your mind off of basketball or the stress of a test coming tomorrow or anything else that might be you know frustrating you music is a good way for me to calm down and think about something else but as of late it's also been a way for me to learn i'm really into music history learning more about the artists i love and seeing how their work can connect to myself or can help me understand the people I love, so it's honestly not only been something that's a decompressor, but another learning experience. Which I don't know if that takes away from the the mission of it being something you know to completely relax me, but it's you know just something else I really love.
0: What are some of your favorite artists, and who do you use for specific uh, feelings and emotions and moods? Sure. What, what are you like? What are you yeah. into?
1: I mean, I like to describe my music taste as a six-year-old white woman because that <laughs> is my music taste. I love '70s classic rock, like folk stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard for me to pinpoint certain artists I associate with certain moods, but overall, I would say my music taste is just pretty mellow. Like before games, I don't need to be blasting hype music. Like I can listen to, you know, something instrumental, and I'll be just as hype as listening to like lose yourself or something Mm -hmm. by like Eminem um but like some of my favorite artists are Bruce Springsteen I love like Fleetwood Mac Coldplay stuff like that I feel like um again very centered around 70s classic rock-ish it's kind of my vibe
0: I like that yeah Yeah. I'd like to get more into that I would say that my expertise quote-unquote is in like Obviously, hip hop, more um, country, definitely a lot of like Motown, soul, R and B stuff like that. And I think I use those three for like when I'm outside in the middle of nowhere, it's definitely like a country vibe. Mm. You know what I mean? If I'm getting ready to go do something or go somewhere, it's definitely hip hop. If I'm uh, cleaning or just hanging around the house, you got to throw on like some Marvin Gaye, something like my grandma and grandpa would listen to. So it's that's what I'm all about. And music's the best. Like, no, for sure. I'm so happy that you were able to like, kind of identify that at such a young age yeah. and use it for a good little therapy to get away. No, for sure. What are some other ways that you sort of relax and decompress after, you know, hard work, whatever that is.
1: Yeah. I mean, down to the actual, just sort of just like laying down on my bed, doing nothing. Sometimes you need some of those days after a week long of just super tough workouts. Um, I do gain energy, not necessarily energy, but also just sense of relaxation just from talking to people that I love, like um, catching up with my family. If it's over FaceTime, like I'm at school or, you know, talking with Brandon. Um, but honestly, yeah, I feel like I'm no different than anyone else. I don't like do yoga or meditate really to do sort of decompress. But if I'll just throw on a show on Netflix, sometimes you just need sort of, sort of those mindless days to to prepare you for weeks that are very... You know, what you've been intensive. watching on netflix lately on netflix what did i just watch um i'm not a huge like tv person i love watching music documentaries again going back to music mm-hmm. but um sometimes i'll watch you know like stuff like never have i ever which is every girl my age is watching that right now mm-hmm. or um some interesting stuff i love cooking shows even though i'm not oh, yeah. very much of a good cook but yeah. i enjoy watching other people you know perfect their craft so really random stuff like that
0: what's the one with gordon Ramsay? is that the hell's kitchen hell's kitchen i love him screaming at people it's my favorite thing ever so funny i would love to have that job like i don't need to critique the food or anything i just need to look in there and be like oh yeah i know they're about to fuck this (laughs) up and just if you just need like pressure applied i think i'm your guy or i'll get in there and be like you're whisking it you're supposed to be sauteing it or whatever like i don't know what none of that means but you (laughs) gotta get in there with it like you call this a cake and just Slapped the cave on like, camera. I remember
1: Gordon Ramsay like put like a, two pieces of bread between someone and it was like call them an idiot sandwich. Oh, yeah. I'm like that is genius. I've seen that video. That my, is genius. My
0: favorite video that I saw was when he called that girl are, are is your family here? How many? A 15 or whatever. Go get them and brings back 15 people yeah. and he hits them with like she didn't make it and then she oh. has to leave and I was like that guy's <gasps> a fucking savage. He is
1: bold for yeah. sure.
0: I love it. Well I think some of our sort of tail end of the questions here in this interview are like where do you see yourself? What would you be doing if you knew you couldn't fail mm. 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now? Uh, where do you see yourself uh, within your family? Where do you see yourself within your career? Wh- what do you want to do? Wow,
1: that's a You're starting it off so question, good.
0: You're, you're you're pulling the Google internships out of your yeah. butt. You're throwing Ivy League to the left. It sounds like everything's working. You know yeah. what I mean? So as it continues to work, where do you want it to go?
1: Sure. No, that's a, a really deep and thought-provoking question, man. But um, I think one of the biggest things for me this summer, a, a really tug-and-pull relationship in, in starting you know, my first job, starting your career, is what is the balance of doing something you love, but something that's going to provide you stability or maybe more growth? Because I feel like, there are people who can achieve both, and I feel like that's very rare though it's usually one or the other mm-hmm. for me i my dream is to work in the music industry okay so I can be in the music industry probably making little little money leverage not really leveraging my pen you know certifi- or not certificate pen diploma and not leveraging my google internship but it's something I love, but I can also Go the other complete way do something i not love but can make me a lot more money and leverage really my experiences so it's really been a tug and pull so i feel like if i could be doing something where i know i couldn't fail it's that balance between those both and i don't know what that is yet and while that's sort of scary it's also something i think that really excites me that i don't know what i want to do yet but i know the threads that i want to continue throughout my career and my family life and having those, you know, to guide me and, and be my North Star, I think is the most important start of that journey.
0: I really like that. My My biggest thing that I think I want to add to what you're saying is the understanding of, I hate this apartment that we're in right sure. now. Let's say, I'm not happy. Yeah. I'm happy here, but I'm not happy here. Do okay. you see what I'm saying? I'm yeah. ready for the next one. Sure, so that's sure. basically what it is. And there was this like really old rich guy that was like, Dude, I would give anything right now to be back in that shitty apartment Mm. in college because to experience that rise and that story that we go, that really put it into perspective of, for me, of like, oh, well, this is sort of the only time that I'm going to be in college in this piece of shit, (laughs) non-up-to-code complex that's about to fall apart at any second. (laughs) It could happen this podcast. This whole place (laughs) could just fall apart, but- that's really where I'm like, no, no, no. This is part of the process that I love so much. Sure. So how about understand where things are going? It's like the last thing I was listening to some other podcast like a week or two ago that was like, when you're depressed, it's usually because you're focused on the past too much. When you're um, anxious, it's because you're focused on the mm. future. Yep where you need to be in that sweet spot is like right in the middle of what can you control right now in the moment exactly of it's like just be right here with the podcast i don't need to worry about the meetings that i have later today or what's going on school i'm just right here having a good time so of course that's just how i look at it and I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, of course, man. and you know I hope to have you back multiple times. Yeah. and you know you can come back anytime; you're always welcome. And I'm happy you were able to get on here so fast. Like no, we just thank talked you. about this a couple of days you know. ago, and hopped on. And my final question is: Who do you think is somebody that you would like to see on this podcast?
1: Sure, my f- I have two suggestions. My first is an extremely biased suggestion. I would say you should have Brandon Osorio <laughs> on this podcast, and like speaking not just because I'm his girlfriend, but I think. He's a very unique person in a way. Just a lot of the experiences he's going through. One, I feel like you talked on this on your last podcast. Sort of law enforcement is such a divisive issue right now, and to have sort of not someone directly in law enforcement, but to have someone directly, you know, impacted by it with him having, you know, um, Mr. Soria as his dad. I think is a, a really cool experience to sort of walk through and see, you know, how that trickles down to him. But also being a male in a really female-dominated, you know, job as Mm -hmm. he's going into nursing, I think can be really cool to pick his brain about. Um, So, yeah, that's my first suggestion. But if you want someone who's maybe not as biased, um, from my opinion, I've really gotten – and this is someone, like, completely random. So you'd be going into this pretty blind. But um, as of, like, these past two years, I've really gotten close to my – religion teacher from high school. His name is John Fitzsimons. He goes to, he teaches at Bishop Montgomery, has been there for a really long time now. He taught my mom. Oh um, wow. Yeah. So it's cool having been able to like kind of grow a relationship outside of a student teacher and now sort of like almost friends, it's, it's been really interesting to, to see how he spent his career, um, you know, with teaching as a profession, but also coaching on the side. And he has a lot of won't give it away if you end up talking to him, but just has a really lot of key moments in his life that is really, you know, I like that a lot. A story.
0: I'm happy that you're saying that because literally like yesterday I was thinking I'm trying to have a teacher on the pod. Yeah, like no. I'm looking for somebody to kind of pull the curtain back sure. on because it's something everybody goes through. Everybody goes exactly. through school. Everybody's like, oh, my teacher. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they get a bad rap. So just like cops always get a bad exactly. rap of like you're the, you know, the the, the enforcers right. of stuff I don't want to do so that's awesome I'll reach out to definitely both of them and I'm gonna have Brandon on yeah you I just should. been a little bit been been a little bit salty about Brandon I know he's been busy been but salty. like bro he took ain't, been, your birthday he, too. He ain't been hitting me up it's like you got to hit me up you know what yeah, I mean Yeah, no, I so, got you.
1: I mean everyone's been busy but oh yeah, yeah I he, get no, that he'd be a good
0: one I got you so that's good and he'll he's not going too far away so yeah no he'll be, be nice. here he'll be around but definitely natural thoughts and talks thank you guys for listening Kayla thank you for coming on and I think this was a great episode did you have a lot of fun
1: i did i know for just like having started this i don't know how long have you been doing this
0: uh the summer i think oh this is episode i want to say 25 probably Okay. Mm -hmm. for
1: being 25 episodes in venture sounds like he's been doing this all his life so i appreciate you having me on and this is a really great thing you have going on and i'm really excited to hear hear more so thank you again
0: all right we'll see you guys later bye
1: yep